0: Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. We are here to talk about a couple of comics coming out on September fifth, twenty twenty three. Starting with, I forget. We're starting with <laughs> Birds uh, of Prey. Birds of Prey number one. Yes, written by Kelly Thompson, illustrated by Leonardo Romero. Uh Vince, I want to start with you because Why? you are uh, because. Um, one of the creators, misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I was going to be vague. One of the creators in this is not necessarily your favorite. Um, and but I know that you are a, a reasonable man who will, um, you know, take it at, at face value and give it a fair shot. So I'm curious as to what you thought of this issue
1: of Birds of Prey. I really liked it. Be- best thing I've ever read from Kelly Thompson, easily, I think. And I think I've pretty much read. I think I've pretty much read every number one issue she's ever written. I think, um, I'm, I'm going to get this out of the way real quick. I was, I was a little worried, just a little with some of the banter right up front between Dinah and Ali. Okay. Because there there's like, there's one line where she says, uh, or Ali says, "I'm sorry, I'm going to be useless for you, to you in this." And Dinah says, "Oh, you're not going to be useless. I have big plans for you. Like, please try not to die. Plans." And that's that way of talking. That's that's like School of Bendis stuff. That I yes, just, it is. I, yes, I, I is. do not like it unless it's in small doses. And I was relieved that it was in incredibly small doses here. I, one of the things that I worry about, and it's not just with uh, Kelly Thompson, but it's with anybody who writes in that kind of like. Um, uh, bantery style you know that kind of like MCU Whedon for lack of a better you know if I'm roping all these things in together all these influences Bendis it's that characters start to sound the same or they talk the same or they make the same jokes even though they wouldn't necessarily right Mm -hmm. I was really relieved that that was not and this book is funny like it is there's funny stuff in it there's funny lines in it but these characters are funny in different ways, and there's different approaches to the humor, and I, I'm people can disagree with me, but that's that has been a problem that I've had with with Thompson's work in the past. I think her script here is pretty darn seamless for what it's trying to be, which is a putting the team together issue, right? Like, yes, it's not. <laughs> It's by no means is it like complex or deep, but it gets the team together in an extremely satisfying way. And yes. the script knows when to drop out and let the action take over, which it does several times throughout this book. And it's so appreciated because the art looks fucking fantastic. <laughs> it's I, I'm, I'm pretty much in love with this book. Uh, right from the jump here, so.
0: Yeah, I I very much agree with just about everything you said there. One of the things that I think is the hardest about a team book in 2023 is that we've heard every reason for why a new team needs to get together. And specifically, like, how many Birds of Prey number ones have we read where it's about putting together a new Birds of Prey? And it can all feel very perfunctory and very... um, paint by numbers in terms of why this has to happen, et cetera, et cetera. But I thought that the way that this was approached felt really fitting to this specific version of the team. Like Thompson did a really good job of lining up for the reader. Why Black Canary, even though you don't really know why, But you know her goal is to put together, I I think they basically call it a shit-your-pants team, right? A team that when you see them, you know you're in trouble. And the reason for picking all of the different team members is really smart. I mean, I I think all of us rolled our eyes a little bit when Harley Quinn was announced as the final member of this team. And yet, I think that... I didn't.
2: I I I didn't. I like Harley (laughs) Quinn, so...
0: OK, well, I, I just feel like it's a very expected move from D.C., right? This was this was a team made up of of some pretty unexpected birds.
1: Yeah, Aside it's, cer- from... it's certainly the least surprising move, even though it's it's it, Harley is always sold as like some crazy wild card. But, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the in the meta narrative of, of D.C. Comics couldn't be further from the truth. She's everywhere all the time. Right you know. So on but, that on those, but I do like her. So you know, in small doses. So right.
0: But my point was that I feel like, <laughs> I guess maybe I'll, I'll I'll stop speaking for Zach. Who so doesn't yell at me? Um, I I feel like <laughs> God. You guys are getting started already. I'm, I'm just I'm just <laughs> kidding. Uh, I feel like when I see Harley join the team, my mind goes to like this is to help them sell comics. Decision, right? It's not. Yeah. There's there's not going to be a great in story reason why Harley's joining the team, and yet this book gave a compelling in-story reason for why Harley should join the team. And I, I, it wasn't overwrought. It was a quick uh, sequence that led to that decision, and I, I thought it was really, really well done, and something as small as that impressed me. What impressed me even more was that Thompson managed to, in a very, very short period of time, Give all of these characters a very particular voice and a unique voice to themselves. Like it's not that hard to write Cassandra Kane because she doesn't talk that much and she's, you know, deadly with her fists or whatever. But the way that Thompson writes her felt like it wasn't, she wasn't taking any shortcuts with the characterization. The characterization, she felt very, very true, but it was done with very few words. Her big Barda is essentially like Thor, more or less mm-hmm. the way it's written, but it's written in a very clever, very fun uh, way. I thought that every every character is given a unique voice from the first time they really appear on the page. And we'll talk more about the art in a minute, but I want to specifically call out the way that Romeo, uh, Romero rather and um, and Jordi Belair work together here. I think the colors match his style so, so perfectly, and it just instantly transports me into a place where uh, this comic feels timeless in part because of how, how fluid and fun and how effective in its visual storytelling the art is. So, yeah, I I absolutely love this first issue. This might be the best number one at DC all year. Zach what do you think
2: well yeah you guys kind of already said it all um <laughs> I I uh unfortunately I guess don't have a lot more to add about this which, which is sad because it was a book I was excited to talk about but um, <laughs> sorry, bud. um yeah no I I agree with you on all counts um the art is incredible I think that um that Thompson's dialogue it really does kind of toe that line uh the Bendis line a little bit but like like Vince said it never becomes uh too unbearable um and like you said Brian I think that she has like the voices down for these characters to a T and like even kind of creating somewhat new voices for them like especially in the case of Barda and I would almost even argue Cass because like, I, I feel like since Cass has kind of been back in whatever, was it like Batman and Robin eternal where she kind of really kind of came back into the fold.
0: I forget which of the eternals, but one of the eternals. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I want to say, yeah, it, was, it might've been, I can't remember. Um, but it, um, you know, I feel like she's just kind of been there and she is like, like you said, the quiet one and, and, you know, I think I think she got a little bit more characterization in that Batgirl series, but none of us really liked that um, very much. And I just, I love her interactions here with Barda and with uh, Harlequin. And I like, um, I like the way that uh, Dinah interacts specifically with um, like Zealot, and that scene with like the scene with Zealot and Grifter was like very funny to me, and like that is they have been some of the most grown worthy characters I think since like reintegrating into the DCU. But you know, I thought that their little banter was cute, and then like Dinah just standing outside the window and like Grifter, <laughs> and you know, um, it, it was just all like really sweet. But then, um, you know also just taking a getting the team together issue which is one of the most like bog standard boring concepts that you can have in a comic um and making it really enjoyable making the premise like the the mystery around like why the team is getting together really interesting and then i guess the thing that we haven't talked about is the last page reveal which is like probably like i agree that with brian that this is probably like the best number one that dc's released this year this like last page reveal is probably one of the best ones that dc has had like in recent and in in not, not just like recent memory in like several years i can't i can't remember the last time i got to i guess maybe like for me like some of the like John's like golden age stuff kind of made me like. It, it it kind of was a similar feeling, I guess. But this is this is even better than that, I think. Like this is such a cool idea.
0: Well, here's my question about this reveal. So we we, we should mention. Well, Zach, let's tell us who was the character that is revealed. Y- yeah,
2: end? yeah. So the the character that's revealed is a future version of Maps Um from Gotham a, Academy. From Gotham Academy, Mia Mizuguchi. Mm-hmm. Uh Only now she goes by Meridian. And so she's this very cool looking time traveler, time traveling hero with this sort of like Power Rangers. You it, know, it's all like it's very common writer. Um, you know, it, it's all of that stuff. Um, and it just rules. <laughs>
0: yeah, this is one of those things. That my, my, my question was going to be, Is this I mean, obviously, this is DC three nip, right? This is this is the shit we live for. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that there are a lot of other people who are going to react the same way to this or are lots of folks going to be firing up Wikipedia to find out who maps is?
2: (laughs) I feel like the kind of people who would be primed for this book. Yeah, are going to know who maps is.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I guess think... it's like
2: 50 50. It's like if you're coming off of like the Birds of Prey movie, then absolutely not. But I feel like that's a much smaller percentage of the people coming to this book. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I think that's right. Um. Yeah, I that that reveal that was like the cherry on top of an issue that was really good all the way through, surprisingly so. And then. And then that at the end, I was, I was doing all the Vince McMahon faces while reading this for (laughs) sure. Um, And the highest compliment I can pay to the whole thing is that I cannot wait to see what they do with, with maps or with Meridian next. And I cannot wait to see Romero draw her Yes, because, um, you know, we get the one image of her in this, but I, you know, I have to imagine that some of that Sentai influence will bear out in the action. I think there was already a little bit of, you know, there were a lot of ninjas in this issue. Like, yeah,
2: that that double page spread of <laughs> oh. of Dinah and Cass fighting the League of Assassins. Yes, incredible, yeah, yeah.
1: gorgeous. So and so clean, like th- this. Th- it it was like ninja turtles or something they're like fighting foot soldiers basically yeah <laughs> and um the foot clan please the foot clan yeah the foot clan uh didn't they call them foot soldiers in the in the cartoon, i think they maybe i think
2: they maybe did yeah that does sound right
1: yeah anyway it's um, the foot clan you know i know Brian. i know um but that stuff looks so good and and it seems so inspired by you know Zach already mentioned power rangers or, or other sentai shows i can only imagine that we're going to get a little bit more of that and i'm excited to see it and i i just think this art looks so clean and so good and the coloring too you, you already mentioned uh Jordi belair um but you know there's like flashback sequences where the color scheme is muted and then it's also like slightly off you know, just like yeah. old comics, where but it's, the whole
0: book is, is somewhat
1: muted. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, but it's di- you know even more so. It, yes, agreed. The flashback with with um Cass and Harley Quinn, where it's like yes, mostly yes. pinks and yellows, and they're it's yes. kind of almost sepia. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it oh god, it just looks so good. Um, the action is so good. Like every time it takes a beat to show them beating up some ninjas or, or what have you. Um, it just looks so good. The action's so clean and clear to follow and satisfying. There's a lot of great, a lot of great, like uh, word art, um, doing the, the POWs and wax and swoops and all that stuff, you know, um, incorporated into the art that just, again, it's pure comic booking. It's fantastic. And uh, but my favorite, my favorite sequence of this whole thing is the aforementioned uh, Cass and Harley flashback. And it's because it's the funniest thing in the book, because Cass is the one who suggests Harley and then ex- goes on to explain why by telling a story we see the story. And then at the end of the story, all the characters are like, you barely said any words. You're a terrible storyteller. (laughs) You're a terrible storyteller, which is a perfect character moment. Yep. It's Mm -hmm. it's light and funny. It's not, it's not like offensive or like, you know, it's, it's (laughs) because you could easily, you know, with somebody who doesn't express themselves well, you could easily be mean about it. And it's not, it never comes off as mean. Right. It's just, because then
2: Barda immediately like follows it up with like, You're bad at storytelling, but you're good at um, what does she tell her? It's, it was, it's really, you have many strengths such
0: as putting men in
1: comas and being very quiet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Man.
1: And, and not only, not only that, but the other really fun thing about it is that it, you know, it's well established in the DCU that Cass is one of the best fighters, oftentimes elevated to like being Bruce's equal, if not able to beat him you know Mm -hmm. um now i don't care so much about that but it's important for the the backstory of this because they also set that up in the in the early in the comic where dinah says you know Cass is one of the most uh fearsome fighters in the universe and then later you see harley quinn in this flashback almost beat her and it's and you know like these nerds who argue on reddit Like can, can Harley Quinn beat Cass Kane? It's, it's one of those things it's set up to seem improbable. And, but the way that she almost wins is by just acting like a cartoon character, because that's what Harley would do. And that's like in a comic book sense, that is so credible, satisfying, and like such great reasoning for why this character who's ostensibly not as good a fighter could beat Cass. Right by being like a wacky Looney Tunes <laughs> fighter.
2: I oh
1: man, I love this issue so much.
2: Yeah, um, and this is this is like the first real thing in DC that Thompson's done, right?
1: I think so. She may have done a maybe th- she did like an anthology story. May- I think maybe. there might be
0: a couple of those. I, I I seem to remember her being a part of one of the like it's not this, but remember in dark crisis, there were all those like dark crisis anthology books. Yeah. Maybe. Has I she, been,
2: but has like she that. been exclusive for at Marvel this any, at any period of time?
1: I'm not sure. She did I'm a, Harley, sure She did a Harley Quinn, uh black white and redder. Okay. Anthology story. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. She's just had but such
2: a it. president presence at Marvel over the last, you know, I guess like nearly decade really. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. It looks so, like, uh, I guess it was like 2014, 2015 when she really started to pop up a lot of places at, at Marvel. Right. Yeah. She uh,
1: co-wrote, she co-wrote that Captain Marvel mini series with uh, Kelly Sue, I think before taking yes. over. Uh uh-huh. And that was back in like, that was like the secret wars era. It was
2: 2015.
0: It? Yeah, like, yeah. 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 And then she did a Force Hawkeye, um the Jessica Jones book, Mr. and Mrs. X, West Coast Avengers, wow. Captain Marvel, yeah. Uncanny X-Men, Deadpool, Black Widow. A lot of stuff there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I yeah. And I can't remember. I mean, this is this is my bias talking. I can't remember liking any of that of the stuff at Marvel. And but I think she's great here. I hey, come over to DC, make it your permanent home. <laughs> fresh start yeah it's it is funny how
2: those like migrations happen though you mm-hmm. know every so many years you know
1: mm-hmm.
2: we have we have her we've got jason aaron coming over um
1: Hickman. Who's next? dan slot <laughs> dan slot and hickman and
0: dan slot is going to be I, i'm
1: going to call it right now it's gonna be the least satisfying of them oh yeah um I was clamoring for it back during the Superior Spider-Man. Oh, times, yeah, absolutely. Now I'm, now I'm like, whatever.
0: And I, I, that's not even me as a slot hater. I just feel like Slot is very good on Spider-Man. And I have not really liked any other Marvel stuff Slot has done.
2: And probably not even anymore either, because like now he's doing his like, you know, reunion tour where he's doing
1: He's been another Superior Spider-Man this fall. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, you you know who's done a lot of work at Marvel and has ne- only done like one or two anthology stories at DC. Who's that? Who I would who I would love to come see over at DC, but we never talk about them.
2: Mm, don't don't say yeah. Let me think for a second. Sure, to I have say.
0: one in mind, but I don't think it's I don't think it's somebody you would want to see necessarily. Oh,
2: Don definitely Donny Cades. No,
0: no. <laughs> It's oh. not Kieran Gillen, is it?
1: It is Kieran
0: Gillen. Oh, I
2: I wouldn't think yeah. that
0: you would be a big. I, I know you like Gillen, but I, I don't know. See, Gillen is somebody I don't know exactly what I'd want to see him do at D.C. Yeah.
1: Well, it's so weird because I keep expecting him to just do the, the Brubaker thing and go into creator owned only, mm-hmm. but he keeps coming back to do work at Marvel constantly. Mm-hmm. Don't I take
0: keep... this as as an insult to his work. I am just, I am so behind on Marvel. What's the last good thing he did at Marvel?
2: He's doing well, Immortal Zach- X Men right now and it's good. Okay. Yeah, Zach and, he say did, and his Eternals so run. Enough. His Eternals run was good too. Oh, was it? Okay. I didn't yeah. remember that. Yeah. With Isad Ribic, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, both, I think, both of those were good.
1: I, I certainly haven't read all of it, but I think almost everything of his that I've read at marvel is good I'm, I'm looking at it right now Let yeah me i mean
2: journey into mystery was good that i didn't re- read all of young avengers but i know that it's really well regarded young um, avengers is
1: great x-men his x-men stuff is great yeah um, his,
2: uncanny, his uncanny stuff like when, like early 2010s was really good yeah what i think is is
0: is good about what gillen does is Every book he's taken over, it seems to me that he has a very clear goal in mind for his books, and he's not just doing it to like check like some. You get the impression that certain creators when Batman is offered, they take Batman just to check it off of their personal list. Yeah, whereas I feel like everything Gillen has done, there's been a very Gillen story in there to tell, you know, uh, he's very particular about what he's taking on, and that has led to him having one of the more unimpeachable Marvel runs of the last decade and a half.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah
2: I, I can agree with that. Honestly, if, if Gillen came to DC, I, I would want him to follow the exact route that like Ben just did. I would want him to do Superman and the Legion. Honestly, <laughs> that's that's what I would want.
0: See, I, I can't imagine Gillen doing Superman.
2: I, I can. I think I can. I can definitely imagine him doing Legion like 100%. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And but I think I think he would do just based off I I think he could do a good Superman actually. I,
0: I'm not saying it wouldn't be good. I just I have a hard like I I can't I'm having a hard time hearing Superman in a voice that Gillen would provide,
1: which is which is yeah. part of the reason he should do it. Yeah, it be that's intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, uh, I'm looking at this list and I think the one book that I've read from Gillen at Marvel that I didn't like. Straight up is Origin Two, the the oh yeah the Wol- Wolverine, the Wolverine Origin thing yeah, which was well, such
2: a bizarre like out uh, of left field pick for him. I didn't I even read it. it. Yeah, it's a stinker. Uh, I can only sorry, imagine.
1: Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I, I also
0: imagine that a book like that might be more editorially driven. Ah, uh, it sure feels like it in terms yeah, it be, of yeah. plotting and all of that. You know. Yeah.
2: And then not to not to belabor this conversation too long, but <laughs> Ewing would be incredible. I would oh, of course, yeah. Ewing on in, on any DC book.
0: I feel like Ewing is still top of the heap at Marvel.
2: Yeah. Whereas I, I feel I like Kieran so Gillen too, yeah. is sort
0: of in the in the second tier of big Marvel people at this point.
2: See, I think I think Gillen, in my opinion, actually carries like a higher profile than Ewing i i feel like he is seen as like a higher tier writer but like i think ewing is a better writer than gillen i think so there have been so many times where ewing has followed up gillen and like out i in my opinion like outperformed him like i think his loki run is better than gillen's journey into mystery um and i i I, it's not just with gillen i think ewing like upstages has upstaged several creators honestly and
0: well ewing reminds me and and vince is gonna make a a crack about this in a second but he reminds me of like peak era jeff johns in that i think one of the things that johns was the best at in that time i'm about to sneeze oh Oh, thank you Uh, there it is I, i thought it went away it was back um I think that John's was really good at taking what a writer had done before him, keeping the stuff that worked and tweaking the stuff that didn't. And I feel like Ewing has done that to a great effect in Marvel.
2: Yeah, he really has. um, With a lot of different properties. Yeah, he is the continuity guy in the same way that John's is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, I I am resisting the urge to ask like uh, who is this person at this company and, uh, after this conversation because <laughs> do one take... do
2: one more just do one
0: okay who when Johns was at his peak his sort of foil at Marvel was always perceived to be Bendis uh-huh. so who is the Donny Cates foil at DC right now
2: I mean it's got to be Tom King right
0: yeah I don't oh, know Tom King's not
2: really doing
1: like big continuity stuff
0: right now.
2: Well,
1: yeah, but they are very similar in that they, they, uh, this, someone will yell at me for this, but they both take, how do, how do I, how do I elucidate this? They, they both take very serious, edgy concepts and m- make they th- they think they're being like tongue in cheek or whatever, but it also comes off as very edgy. I'm thinking about how like Bat- Tom King's Batman was, you know, in the very same comic where you could see like uh, Batman having a drink at Elmer Fudd's, which <laughs> persisted beyond that crossover issue. You know, somehow, like, yes, yeah. Or Porky, was it Porky Pigs or whoever? The, whoever. I think it was Whatever. Porky.
0: It was the Batman Elmer Fudd team up, but I think it was Porky's. Was the name Porky's of the place. bar maybe? Yeah, yep.
1: Yeah. I've seen Porky's twenty seven times this week. I love cable TV. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, uh, but so, so so in a run where or like we we talked when we reviewed King's Batman on the show that like. There would be Adam West style goofiness in a comic where like Batman is a, a um the Dark Knight return style psycho, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and King tries to ride that line and it come to me it comes off as the way that he does it, it comes off as very pretentious, and that's Donnie Cates to me too, where like Cates knows when he's writing uh Venom or whatever that venom is a goofy character and that like there's goofy aspects to it and it's the edginess is also silly but then if you read those comics he's very serious about the lore and the. all right you've and, sold, me. You've sold me you sold me you know what i mean yeah. like like
2: yeah vince has like elucidated it so much better than i could for me it's just like a vibes thing it's uh, a vibe <laughs> it is
1: it is absolutely a vibe. But if you don't if you don't ride that vibe, that's how you can explain it, I think. Yeah, sure.
0: Sure. All right. Let's move <laughs> on. <laughs> <'Cause>... Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. No, We're having I'm... fun. It's a good. Descri- yeah, I really squeezed
2: yeah. in some marble talking to this. I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you
1: did. You have <laughs> got achieved any, your got your any one piece. Uh anecdotes for us Zach while we're at it
2: well it is funny how when you brought up the power scaling and the Harley being like a Looney Tunes character because like those exact conversations are going on in one piece right now so it's extremely yeah. relevant um <laughs> so yeah
0: any Kingdom Hearts while we're here
2: mm, no no Kingdom Hearts is too quiet it's too quiet right now
1: <laughs> it comes in
2: waves it does just like the wanting the wanting coggy fucker. I knew you were gonna do that <laughs>
0: all right we're, we're hitting all of the fucking uh bullseyes right yeah now, so
1: brian do you want me to say against all odds no it's all right thanks <laughs> what's the other one you do it's it's man well that's, that's a comedy yeah. that's a comedy bang bang thing, yes it so. is it is um that's
2: alright. <laughs> hello denizens of earth 1218 we're the hosts of make mine multiversity a twice monthly podcast i'm jayna And I'm Elias.
1: Make Mine Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month, we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever.
2: Sometimes that means we dig into all things X-Men. Sometimes we do a book club for Marvel series past and present. And sometimes that means figuring out which series is our heavyweight champion.
1: Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior.
2: Excelsior indeed.
0: All right, up next is Fire and Ice. Welcome to Smallville number one. This is written by Joanne Starrer and illustrated by Natasha Bustos. Um, so I, I'm i going to guess that I am probably the, the highest on the Bwahaha era of Justice League, which featured Fire and Ice most prominently. I, I am not the world's biggest fan of that era, but I I do enjoy a lot of it. Um, but so this book sort of instantly hits me in the nostalgia spot where I'm going to guess for you guys, that's probably not as true. Is that correct? Correct.
2: Yeah. 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 It's funny. Like my actually like biggest touchstone, like earliest touchstone for them as characters was more like the death of Superman era stuff.
0: Sure. Sure.
2: Um, which was like post guahaha.
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so I had skipped the Power Girl special story that led into this. So I went back and I read that as well as reading this. And I just want to start with a question. And it, it's a question that is obviously informed by this book, but it's a little bit of a broader question than that. So in that Power Girl special, which has the first part of this story, we see Superman kind of acting like uh, the the dad of the Justice League of the DCU, whatever you want to say, like basically correcting the behavior of fire ice and Guy Gardner, which leads to the status quo that we're seeing in this book. And my question is for you guys, are you able to dismiss what leads up to the story and just take the story at face value? Or are you always going to be carrying with you sort of the the reason why this exists? I'm going to I'm going to I want to pause that for you to answer that before I get to the next part of my
1: question. Do you mean the stuff that they reference at the start of the issue?
0: I, I mean, like the stuff that happens in that in that special.
2: Yes, so I didn't. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. didn't read that special. So but
0: but, but you understand what but happened I, there, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Can, so my point is, if you think that is bad, can you enjoy this? Or if you think that is good?
1: is that color how you see this even if you don't love this like how important is the prologue to this so i didn't like that special all that much and i i'll just to tip my hand i liked this um but i agree that it's a stupid premise to set this up Mm -hmm. however where it goes from there i was invested in and enjoyed it so i mean your point I get your point, and I totally get why someone would be like, "Well, that is a really stupid way to get these two into this situation." And I would agree, but I, for me, it doesn't spoil the comic at all. Zach,
2: um, I agree. yeah, I do agree that it is a dumb premise, and. I guess actually for the most part, it did kind of negatively affect my enjoyment of the book because the whole time I was kind of thinking like, this is dumb. <laughs> like, why is this, why is this happening? This feels very contrived. Um, and even by the end of the book, I really wasn't sold on it. Like, I think it's, I think it's cute and I like the art, but it. I I was really kind of underwhelmed by this the, the the part that even kind of got me coming around a little bit was like how good the the joke was on the like the penultimate and last page like oh
1: it's it the that makes the whole thing
2: It really does kind of. It, <laughs> like it is it is, the, like,
1: it is the best part of the issue, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was just like this is fantastic and you know i already kind of like ambush bug anyway um but reasons i I
1: will never understand yeah (laughs) and i don't and i thought that that was a perfect gag
2: yeah it was a great gag um and if if this story can have you know i wanted to continue to be funny like that i didn't like how kind of over serious it was with all of this kind of like melodrama between fire and ice I thought that like fire was kind of unbearable throughout this whole issue yes and I I really didn't care very much about like kind of the supporting characters that they were introducing um I did love them you know going out to dinner with Martha that was very sweet um but uh yeah if if it can like continue that level of like humor throughout the rest of the book, then then I think it will be actually pretty enjoyable and worthwhile.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't really have an answer to the question that I that I posed at the start here, but I really disliked that issue. The 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 super the Power Girl special that, that leads up to this issue. I felt that that was a really poor characterization of just about every character in there. Um, For those that didn't read it, essentially fire and ice are in Baltimore. They're taking care of some superhero business. Guy Gardner shows up guy and fire. Don't like each other. And they sort of let that feeling bleed over into what they're doing in terms of trying to save people. It kind of blows up in their face. And then Superman shows up and says, like fire and ice, you need to, you you need to take a time out and go to Metropolis, uh, go Smallville rather, and just like you know, do nothing for a while. And first of all, I feel like we've been reading these characters for you know, per near forty years now, and it it doesn't seem like these are characters that would be super. Um, I don't think that either. and Guy Gardner is a shitty character. I'm going to be wrong. He's, he's an asshole. I don't think Guy or Fire would put like innocent lives at danger for their pissing contest. So right from the jump, I feel like it's a bad premise. I don't feel like that. This is a way Superman would handle the situation. It doesn't seem like the Superman that I have read, at least not in the last 15 or 20 years. Um, and so like everything about that initial issue really left me cold. What I think is is good here, and, and Zach alluded to this, I think maybe both of you did actually, is the art is really good here. I like the art a lot. It's very dynamic. It, it it it's it's a style that you don't normally see when it comes to these types of stories. This this art reminds me much more of something you might see in an anthology Or in a story that is maybe out of continuity. But it's a very it's a very youthful, very playful style. It reminded me a little bit of something you might see in like a a Lumberjanes
1: type book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or it's or or Babs Tar's uh background. You know what you know what it
2: reminded me of? And part of this is just fire having green hair, but it reminded me of Leslie Hong's work in uh Snot Girl from Image. Oh, yeah.
0: I did not read um, Snot Girl, but I, I'm familiar with the with the with the visuals enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, um. But so I I like the art, and I I do like these characters being given something to do after quite some time of nothing. I just wish it was almost anything but this.
2: Well, it's also it's also like even kind of more egregious, Brian. Like because they they double down on like the fire fire as being this like really irresponsible person by essentially doing the same thing again mm-hmm. with like putting out a call basically and killer shark coming or whichever king, shark, king base, shark king shark yeah uh coming and like you know potentially laying waste to to downtown smallville or whatever um so it's like belaboring the point even
1: yeah yeah <clears throat>
0: Uh Vince um, what do you think? I, I know you enjoyed this but sort of yeah. tell us tell us
1: why a little bit more. Um I I guess I'm the highest on it um out of you guys and I think I think it's because um I approached the reading a little bit differently because I think I think all of your criticisms are true. Um and I know your argument against me is going to be that there's not enough uh gags or it's not enough of a gag book. But I read it as a gag book. I read it as like, um, this is supposed to be uh, light and, you know, it, it's going to feature scenes of Ma Kent forming a book club or inviting them to her book club and baking them pies. And
2: There, there was a good gag in that section where one of the book club members was talking about, like, seeing <laughs> seeing Clark up close from behind. And, and you see, like, Martha kind of spit out her coffee. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: there, there's all but kinds that, of fun but that stuff's so undercut by by fire.
2: I know. Yeah, I, I agree.
1: And, I agree. And I'm, I'm saying your your criticisms are are founded. Just that while I was reading it, I was enjoying the gags a lot more than I was caring about whatever conflict was going on between the two of them, personality-wise. And I do think you're you're right. The f- fire was over the top in this. But I do think the the conflict in their relationship is interesting and one that you don't get very often in superhero comics and one that i can't even i can't even remember if i've ever seen a partnership between two superhero costumed heroes where one they're struggling for relevancy and one is trying to capture Uh, it and the others trying to and the other's trying to move on right like Yes, it, it's super much, it's
0: much more, much more common to see that in podcast partners than it is in <laughs> uh, in, in superheroes. Oh, folks.
2: oh fuck! <laughs> you just can't let it go. I'm just teasing. No, I'm just, I'm just joking.
1: Um. Oh man, I gotta, I gotta submit uh, a, a blind uh, submission to Dumois. <laughs> You guys know what that is. I
0: don't, but uh, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Um, uh, okay. no, Vince, my my only my only sort of slight slight pushback on that is: have either of you ever read? I can't believe it's not the Justice League.
1: No. Oh, is that that follow-up mini-series? Like it was yeah, a from different like the like early mid
2: two thousands or something. Yes. Yeah. And, and no, I in, didn't read
0: that in that book. Max Lord, Fire, Ice. Mary Marvel, maybe Booster. It's, it's like it's, it's essentially the Bwahaha crew. They rent office space in like an industrial park or a strip mall or something and try to be like the low rent Justice League for this local area. Sure. And this feels a lot like that in some ways to me. Okay. Um. So even some of the humor stuff to me reflects back on that sort of a, uh, on that sort of a vibe. And so I, the, the novelty of it wasn't quite there for me in that, for that reason. Sure. That's fair. Um,
1: I, I just found so many little bits funny and you know, don't get me wrong. Like this is not, it's not even, it's not near the level of the birds of prey book that we talked about. Like, I'm not saying I'm head over heels for this book, but i, I really found myself enjoying a lot of the gags, um, a lot of the visual gags, um, the stuff with the with the um uh El- Elron, I think the name was yes the, the, the robot. and robot um that was like leading them into their new life or whatever. Uh, <laughs> that was a very funny character. He had several funny lines. At one point he's wearing a, a wig and the hair, the new hairstylist is like doing his hair or practicing on him. And that's just a, it was a fun visual gag. Um, it's, it's a little bit on the nose or maybe, or maybe is going to date this comic, but you know, the, the robot teaches uh, fire how to do a TikTok dance so that she can get more uh, engagement online or whatever. Like, sure it's not the most brilliant gag in the world but it it's i mean it is very much what desperate influencers would be doing right so yeah
2: you know now things like, you talk about it there there were quite a few gags so like eminem line yeah uh, i was like
1: the gina you know, lombardi funny.
2: the yeah. Gina yeah
1: lombardi the villain calling herself lot's wife uh-huh. has the ability to turn any meal into salt <laughs> like that's really funny. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: I don't I don't disagree. There is some funny stuff here. By the way, I just want to note that Elron is named for Elron Hubbard. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know if that was a, a like a jokey thing or if either Giffen or Matea uh De Mateus is a Scientologist. But sure. Um no, and again, I thought that all that stuff for the most part does work. It was just you got this like tonal whiplash whenever it
1: came back to the fire stuff. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I can, I definitely see where you're coming from. Um, So a couple more things I really liked about it before I shut up or move on. Um, The. The, just the existence of this comic itself is so interesting to me because. DC doesn't really like, why does this book exist? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like DC doesn't really make books like this anymore. Maybe they're, going to start again or maybe this is just some weird one-off pitch that somebody had that an editor liked, but it reminded me, and maybe the fact that it's from the Bwahaha Justice League of America um, era helps with this, but it reminded me of those post-crisis miniseries like Cosmic Boy or I think there was a Red Tornado one where um, they're they're. They are both doing their own thing, but they are very weirdly rooted in continuity. And so, like, if you were to read this in trade someday, you got the bit about from the Power Girl special. You've got the bit from Action Comics 1050. Like, there's things that are being reflected in this book that if you looked at the cover, you would think, oh, this is just this is just like young adult uh, OGN bait. They're just going to package it up and it's going to be meant to sell as a trade someday, you know, Mm -hmm. but really it's weirdly tied to continuity the same way that those post crisis minis were, Mm -hmm. Um, even though they were telling stories and using characters that were kind of ancillary to what was going on at the time.
0: Um, It's, it's interesting. You say that Vince. I thought you were going to go in a totally different direction there. What I thought you were going to say was, That it's really interesting to see this book exist at D.C. written by a new creator, Mm. because this to me seems like the definition of like what they'd bring back Giffen and Demetrius for. Right. Like this is this type of story that they they would that they would throw back to those guys or if not those guys. Whatever, you know, the the 10 years later version of those guys, right? It's just Mm -hmm. this is the book that they throw to people who used to be big deals at D.C., who have an affinity for these characters. And they would, you know, it would be a la di da nothing book because of that. Whereas this is a new creator. And I feel like there is a lot more intrigue to this because you're getting a different voice in there.
1: Yeah, well said. I think, you know, if it were Giffen and Demetrius or whoever, we would know exactly what it would be, you know? Yes. And so, and the freshest reference you would get is some character would say all our base are belong to us or something like that. And... <laughs> You're giving them way too much credit, bro. <laughs> I mean, they would, they would be searching for like a modern comedy reference and that's what they, that's as far as they could find, you know, uh, I'm sure they don't know what that means <laughs> without looking it up, but there's no time to
0: survive. Make your time. ha. ha, ha. <laughs>
1: yeah exactly (laughs) um and then the only other thing i want to mention before i before i shut up is just how much i i do like the art and you guys said it all and you know we talked about um a great colorist in the first book today and we've got Tamara bonvillain here doing like i mean that's that's one a and one b of like modern superhero colorists right yes (laughs) yeah like if one of them's not coloring the book i want the other one to be <laughs> yes. um, um so you know fantastic choice there it looks great um the style reminded me uh, we've already mentioned some influences um this applies to birds of prey too both that comic and this comic the art reminds me of javier rodriguez uh, who you know typically oh, I does i can see that
0: sure sure yeah yeah, yeah
1: even the way in this comic in particular, the way that buildings look like when they're standing outside the big T's, just the way that the building looks when they're inside a building, the way it's laid out. It it really reminds me of the way that Javier Rodriguez um, shows the space in a room and, and the detail that they use and, and not leaving things out, you know, and, and really like, just the, the the point of view is very much that Rodriguez style. And I have to say, like, this goes back to, you know, I talk about this all the time. My preferred artistic sensibility in comics, especially superhero comics, is like your Darwin Cook or your Mike Allred. Just that very clean, colorful, um, min- minimal lines, you know. And that's what these two books were. So I was eating good this week. And... You know, God, every book should look like this you know to me I think so I'm I'm biased on that regard because if if your book looks like this, I'm probably gonna <laughs> like it more than it's just than if it's just the average DC fill-in or 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 B or C list artist, you know
0: yeah Zach, I have a question specifically for you here. is the art here enough to have you come back in the future the art and gags I guess? or were you so turned off by the 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 fire stuff that you're not going to check this out again
2: um you know i'm i'm not inclined to check it out again mostly because like i don't typically come to cape comics for gags gag comics you know like i i like that kind of thing more in like manga or like <laughs> like non like slot more like slice of life not like superhero tinge stuff mm-hmm. it's just not like really the vibe i like um the art was really good but that alone i don't you know like i might like flip through the issues but i'm not necessarily like inclined to read the book just because of how good the art is um
0: let, let me let me slightly spin the question differently for you then if fire wasn't as sort of single-minded and obnoxious in this would you be coming back
2: No, again again probably not just because like this okay. isn't the kind of thing that i really like from Cape comics or like not that i don't like it it's just not the kind of thing i seek sure, out sure. necessarily yeah, okay. you know yeah. um so but i'm glad it exists honestly like we need these kinds of books and we need these characters to be highlighted every once in a while um so Like, you know, like I said, it's not necessarily made for me, but it's technically, I think, aside, you know, complaints about the fire characterization stuff aside, I think it's technically quite good.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think I fall kind of in a similar uh, place to you. I don't know if this is necessarily a book that I would have been like. There are certain books when they when they come out, you know, when when they get into our box every week, I make sure to read them right away. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this book would ever sort of fall into that category because you know, while I do like the blah, blah, blah stuff, and you know, it's nice to see Ambush Bug once every three years or whatever it is. It's just it's it's not it's not really my thing. Kind of similar to what you were saying, Zach. Uh, but I will say, I probably will um, not come back to this purposely because of how much I disliked that part of it um
2: now this is something that and I again like I probably won't ever just because of like time and other things but this is something that I would maybe be more interested checking out in in like trade once it's all finished and reading it in just like one sitting
0: I could see that yeah yeah I I I guess I guess if I got to that page turn of ambush bug, I would have kept going
2: mm-hmm.
0: right. If it was a trade versus coming back another time, that's well said, Zach. Well, Vince, what comes out for us next
1: week? Um, shit. <laughs> uh, Fans love this bit. That's why they I do. do it. They do. Um, I don't know. You tell me, Brian, you're so smart. <laughs> well, I, I can pull it up, but I'm fine doing that. No, no, I got it. I got it. Okay. We have, let me just get it alphabetical. Um, We have Batman and Robin number one, Batman Incorporated number 12, Batman the Gargoyle of Gotham number one, Danger Street nine. Oh, That's, Green Lan- the,
2: that's the Raphael grandpa. Yes, it is. It, it
1: is. It is. Green Lantern three, um, Superman lost six, Waller versus Wildstorm three, and World's Finest Teen Titans three. So what do you, what do you think, Batman and Robin and and the Gargoyle of Gotham?
0: Yeah, it's an all Bat week next week. It's I'd an say. all Bat
1: week, unfortunately. Forge. Forge. I think so. Yeah. Uh,
0: that does also mean, by the way, Batman and Scooby Doo Mysteries number twelve. So, <laughs> uh, all right, that's fair. Get ready, get ready, folks. No, um, yeah, I mean, I, I am interested to pick up Green Lantern again, but I don't know if we need to talk about it
1: necessarily. I I paged through it, and I don't think we'd have a ton to talk about. Okay.
0: Yeah. I also forgot until. Let's call it six minutes ago that Superman Lost was still going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So here we are. Someday, maybe I'll look back on that. Mm-hmm. Then we got Zach's, uh, the Zach nip the week after that. You know, what, what is the week that? after that? Tom King's Wonder Woman starts. Oh, dang. oh yeah. So soon. Okay.
2: okay. Okay.
0: Got it. Got it. That should be fun.
2: Oh and then that means we must have uh the size warrior flash coming up soon too.
0: Yep. Yes. Yes it I is. I'm actually I'm actually
2: pretty excited about that too.
0: I I am I am excited for these books cuz I just feel like for the first time in a while we're going to have we're going to have interesting debates about this. I yeah. can see some of us liking some of these more than others and that's that's good. So.
2: Yeah, and it, it's like you know, I liked don't get me wrong I really liked the Jeremy Adams/book a lot but it feels like we're getting closer to a time where like DC's big characters have kind of like higher profile creative teams again and kind of like more news and noteworthy things happening whereas like post uh post Art crisis or post uh infinite frontier you know, I feel like we didn't really have that so much. Um, so.
0: That's that's an interesting point. Um, I, I. I wonder if there was a feeling like we needed to rehab some of these characters to get them in a place where then you could do that book. Probably a sort of yeah. bigger think, tiered book, you know, I think so. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. Well, if you have to find two thirds of us, uh we are on social media. I am at Brian is an app.
2: and I'm at the Woke of Z.
0: If you need to find Vince, and we've established Vince is on Blue Sky, but will not tell you what his Blue Sky handle is. Um, if you need to find him, he is. Let's see. what, what are you doing this week, Vince? You, you,
1: you give yourself a little, a little stinger here. Um, oh shit! I actually had something for this. Oh, did you? I, I did. I thought like I would tell people what I'm. now nah, f- nah, I don't know what I'm. Um, you should I am uh, I got nothing <laughs> Vince is taking I'm, a class at Second City to get
0: better improv skills to make go. this bit better in the future you, uh,
1: you should watch the potato chip sketch from SNL <laughs> starring <laughs> Will Forte and Jason Sudeikis
2: there you go
0: thanks for listening folks, talk to you next time goodbye You made me look good there. So thank you.
1: Oh, oh, great. All right.